You are now tuned in to the Asian Madness Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, mysterious, morbid, and odd from the other side of the world. I'm your host, Jessica. Please sit back, relax, and let's dive into this week's topic. Hi everybody, before I begin, I would like to run a promo for a brand new podcast. This podcast is called Point Blank. Take a listen. Welcome to Point Blank. True Crime Podcast. This podcast will cover stories on murder, disappearances, mass shootings, mysteries, and all things true crime. If you're interested in listening, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Now back to your scheduled program. He only has two episodes released so far, but so far, it has all been very professional and very intriguing. Adam is a supporter of all true crime podcasts. In other words, he has done his research and he knows what he's talking about. Please go subscribe and give him a listen. Now, let's begin today's part two episode. This is part two of a two-part episode. If you haven't listened to part one, please go back to last week's episode for the full story before proceeding. If not, this might confuse you and not make a lot of sense. We last left off at the appearance of the activist Mobin Ghaznavi and the interview with the two cousins related to the main perpetrator, Hasim Amir. By now, it was probably acknowledged that the sexual abuse scandal was real, but just to what extent, it was still unknown. Let's do a quick recap. Lack of reporting of child sexual abuse cases has encouraged abusers in the country. The abusers were of a very well-known family of this area, uh, perhaps the strongest family there. When we heard this, we immediately went there and had this uh, whole interview with all the th components, the parents, the community, the teachers, and the victims themselves. There were about 300 children who had been abused. They were drugging children, uh, forcing them uh, to have videos made. If you're wondering how powerful the Shirazi family is, well, the village hadn't had a single election for their mayor in the past 10 years, because it was all controlled by the Shirazi family. But this year, 2015, a voting would finally take place. Clearly, everyone was tired of their shit and needed change. People nominated Mobin Ghaznavi as a candidate because of all that he's been doing for the village and for the victims. He would be running against a man known as Master Zafar, aka the patriarch of the Shirazi clan. Okay, but doesn't the name Master Zafar come off immediately as the name of the supervillain in a Disney movie? Yes, I'm probably thinking of Jafar, but why not? 
Master Zafar's son was at one point one of the people arrested, but was now released on bail. He 100% denies the children's sexual abuse claim, and instead began to target Mobin Ghaznavi for taking advantage of the situation to gain power. He assures the public that once Mobin Ghaznavi wins, he will throw all his promises aside. Sure, as long as no more kids are being sexually abused, though, why not? Even a camel would make a better mayor at this point. No offense to camels. The election took place on October 31st, 2015, and people went out and voted because they wanted to be heard. As you might have hoped, Mubin Ghaznavi easily won the election. He promised the people that he would continue to investigate and pressure the government for the results and at the same time, protect the people. The joint investigation team soon came up with a report for the alleged abuse claims. 47 clips of the sexual abuse claims had been discovered, viewed, and reported as authentic, but only 20 children from the village had been identified from the videos, far from the initial number the media had been reporting. Of course, this doesn't mean that there are only 20 victims. There could well be tons more videos that have been lost, deleted, or missed by the police. Mobinka's Navi believes that there are many more children involved, but they must be reluctant to come forward due to shame and fear. Everyone knows that coming forward means getting whispered about everywhere you go. They know it means that your future might be ruined. Your family might face dishonor and shame. After the initial report, a police chief from the JIT commented that children lose self-respect. They can't go anywhere without thinking everyone is laughing at them. He also stated that this is not just the responsibility of the police or child protection bureau. Everyone in society is responsible. I suppose in a sense he is right, because as a society, we should be helping and looking out for each other. The police can help, but they cannot undo what's been done. Also, I don't expect all police officers to be Superman and crack every single case presented to them, but there is a clear difference between working on it and doing the minimal because you just don't want to get involved. Now, for the aftermath of the investigation. The arrested individuals, or the ones remaining and not out on bail, were all tried under the anti-terrorism court as that is the only way they will allow a maximum punishment. Only two were sentenced to life in prison, Hasim Amir, the ringleader, and Faizan Majid. I honestly believe even though they were convicted and sentenced, the police and officials still let them off easy, as only two were convicted. Also, I wonder if the perpetrators were not rich and powerful, would they maybe have gotten a death sentence? I think it's likely. In December of 2015, the Pakistan National Assembly made changes to their laws as well. Child porn was now punishable by law, and the age of criminal responsibility was finally raised from 7 to 10. Imagine that. If the police wanted, they could legally accuse your 10-year-old for engaging in unnatural sex, meaning same-sex sex and your child could be found guilty. I mean, 10 is still really young, but 
I guess it's a bit of an improvement. At least three police officers were removed from their duties due to negligence. I have to say, the police really did not do their job. Many families had dropped their case reports because the police were threatening the families to do so. Some families had even received calls from the rich Shirazi family offering them money to withdraw their cases. Some agreed to it. Some refused. I honestly can't blame people for accepting the money because of their situation. They probably did not have faith in the system, and instead of wasting their time, they wanted to make a better living in any way possible. And when you have nothing, money can be seen as the answer. Some government officials, despite all the evidence and protests and victim reports, have still tried to downplay and deny the sexual abuse allegations. According to them, this is not a sexual abuse scandal. It's really just a land dispute that turned to this. Uh, how about no? Mubin Ghaznavi continues to fight for the victims and their families, protesting the government for protecting the rapist and for continuing to victimize the victims. The families were never given protection, nor were they compensated for making the hour-long trip to the court hearings. Some of the families would be attacked on the streets by the Shirazi family or acquaintances, and police would do nothing about it. Some police officers that have been removed from their duties also feel vengeful towards the victims and their families, and would find ways to make their lives difficult. This is all ridiculous and just really depressing, as if being a victim isn't bad enough. You have to get some extra victimization from the people who were supposed to fight for you. What do you think happens when you abuse the youth in your country? What does that say about your country and your future? People are so selfish and so greedy. I don't understand how these people live with themselves. Now, the following case is not completely related to the Kasur child sexual abuse scandal, but it again involves children abused in Kasur. Unlike the sexual abuse scandal, the victim or victims in this case are young girls. In other words, no one is safe. This is the case of a 7-year-old girl named Zainab Ansari who went missing in January 4, 2018. Zainab Ansari was around 7 years old and also lived in the Kasur area. She had been left under the care of her uncle, Muhammad Adnan, while her parents were on a trip to Saudi Arabia. On January 4, 2018, she left her uncle's house to go to her Quran recital. She never returned and was never seen alive again. Of course, her family immediately filed a missing persons report because she was only a child. Apparently, she was one of the many young girls to have gone missing in the past couple years, the eighth to their knowledge, as they have recovered seven bodies so far. Of course, there could be more. The police again did a stellar job of not doing their job. They kind of did a basic run-through. They detained some people, asked them for their alibis and whatnot, then let them go because there was no reason to arrest them. A protest was arranged on January 7th, three days after Zainab's disappearance. A crowd gathered outside the deputy commissioner's office, and unfortunately, things got out of control. Police began shooting at the protesters, resulting in the death of two civilians. 
This made people even more angry, and the situation just continued to escalate. People were aware that they had to rely on themselves, and one very helpful person looked at the footage from a CCTV camera that he had set up himself outside his shop. He discovered that his camera had in fact picked up the last moments of Zainab. It showed her being led away by a man wearing white clothes and a jacket. The image was not top quality, so it was impossible to see the man's face, but it was clear he was definitely suspicious. The man gave the footage to the police, hoping it would help with investigation. See? This is how little the police were willing to do. They did not even bother checking the camera footages in the neighborhood. If it wasn't for this person, this case may have never been solved. But on January 9th, Zainab's body was discovered in a dump site. She had been tortured, raped, and finally strangled to death. She was just tossed in the garbage dump like a piece of trash. Now that a body was found, all eyes were on the police, waiting for them to find the person behind this murder. Then finally, good news! The chief minister of the Punjab district, Shabazz Sharif, announced that they had apprehended the suspect. His name was Imran Ali, a 24-year-old mechanic that lived in the same neighborhood as Zainab. In fact, he lived about 15 doors down from her family. Imran's DNA matched the DNA found on Zainab's body, and it also matched the DNA found from previous murders. All of them were little girls aged between 4 to 11, all murdered and raped. Imran confessed to the police, and they also found the jacket that he was wearing from the camera footage. You know what's really gross? Imran even participated in the protest earlier that month against the police. I suppose this is him trying to involve himself in the investigation. Punjab province's most senior official, Shabash Sharif, says the DNA of 24-year-old Imran Ali is a match. He alleges Ali confessed to her murder and seven others. And while Ali's yet to stand trial or enter a formal plea, Sharif called for him to be hanged. Zainab's killer has been arrested. His name is Imran. He is a resident of Kasur. He's 24 years old. He is a serial killer. Zainab Ansari was last seen alive in this grainy CCTV footage, holding the hand of an unknown man and being led away. Her parents were on pilgrimage in Saudi Arabia at the time. They accused the police of doing little when they reported her missing. She was found dead four days later in the city of Kasur, raped and strangled to death and discarded in a rubbish dump. Imran was tried under the anti-terrorism court and was found very guilty. He was sentenced to death for multiple counts of murder and rape, as he did not just confess to Zainab's murder, but also to a few other girls. Zainab's mother was very angry at this man and said that he should be hanged and stoned at the same dump site he left her daughter at. Do you think this man deserves the death penalty? Despite many people's plea to have him hanged publicly, the Pakistani officials have denied this request. He is still appealing his death sentence, but because of the nature of his crimes, he has been denied again and again. According to the High Court, the petitioner did not deserve any sympathy in the matter of his sentences. 
This petition is therefore dismissed and leave to appeal is refused. I apologize if I've made anyone overly uncomfortable with this topic. But you know what? This topic should make you uncomfortable because it's not right and it should never happen. Punjab is a pretty large region and it also happens to have the highest number of child sexual abuse crimes in Pakistan. Not trying to explain it away though. According to reports, there were 451 reports of child sexual abuse in the Kasur area in 2015, 141 in 2016, and 129 in 2017. The crimes range from kidnapping, rapes, attempted rapes, sodomy, and even gang rapes. Most people believe that a lot are not being reported, so the numbers could really be even higher. While parents and children need to be more aware of the signs and dangers of such crimes, these assholes are actually the ones who need to stop raping and abusing kids. So, there you have it. The Kasura child sexual abuse scandal and the murder and rape of Zainab Ansari and possibly at least seven other girls. I think we people of the true crime genre are aware that danger lurks in every single corner and while we are adults and we think we know what to do, the truth is, we don't. If we don't even know, then don't expect kids to know what to do. Whether you're a parent or not, Please watch out for those around you. I will conclude this episode with something that the executive director of Sahil said in an interview. It's damaging for the country, Ji. We have to remember this. We damage our youth. What do we see another 20 years ahead? Nothing. Just damaged youth. So we are, I mean, and we are not exactly in a position of strength otherwise. It's our damaged youth, uh, lack of job opportunities, lack of skill training. So what will we see Pakistan for the future? What are we seeing in its future? And before I go, I would like to thank the following people. For my new Patreon donor, thank you Samya Singh for your patronage. I truly appreciate that. And for my newest iTunes review, thank you to Tony Mays from the United States and Stewpot. 815 from Japan. I don't actually have that many reviews from Asia, so if you're in Asia, you know what to do. That was actually a very awkward wink. That didn't really work because you can't see me and I can't wink. Okay, one more thing before I go. The contest is coming to an end. So if you guys are interested in participating in the podcards contest, please email me, or go check out my social media accounts. I have instructions there, and you can also get an idea of what you might be winning. So go do that, and I will talk to you again soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness podcast. Please help me by rating, reviewing this podcast. If you're on social media, please look for me under the handle Asian Madness Pod. If you have any comments or suggestions, do not hesitate to write me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com. I truly appreciate each and every one of you for being here. I am your host, Jessica. Till next time.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.